0: Good evening. good evening, it is good to be together tonight to worship God and if you're a guest thank you so much for joining us. If you would be opening your Bibles to Philippians the fourth chapter and we'll be studying out of Philippians the fourth chapter this evening as we continue our thought of humility and prayer uh, linked together as a common theme. I do want to remind each of you the generosity for you to take the names of the preachers in latin america to encourage them and their families through the gift of, of a uh, holiday meal has been amazing. The 81 names went out really quickly. Now we want to remind you, they need to come back in too. Uh, So if you can make a mental note of that on uh, the 22nd, which is just Sunday, this coming Sunday, it would really be good if everybody could bring back in uh, their, their $50 check, If you want to write a note to them, if you want to include a picture, uh, just whatever that you want to include in that to encourage them, but do make a middle note to try to do that uh, by this coming Sunday, and uh, we appreciate everyone's generosity. As we continue to think about an emphasis on prayer, we all know that, that we're to be people that pray without ceasing. We're to have an emphasis on prayer every day and even every uh, aspect of our life throughout each day. And so we, we try to do various things this month to just encourage us. Uh, to grow in our prayer life and so we want to remind you that the the prayer stations that are set up out into the back area of our our yard area in the back uh, they'll be up for the next and through next sunday and so um, carve out some time to come and, and spend there uh, reading God's word, meditating upon what that would look like applied to your life, and then praying about it, and it should be a wonderful time of study and meditation and prayer. And that's what our hope and our desire is in that. When we think about this this topic of humility, uh, many of you are going to say, "I've heard that," or "I've heard a version of this," but uh, I, I love this. Maybe you have felt like this some time in your life, dear Lord. I'm proud to say so far today, I've got along all right. I've not gossiped, whined or bragged or had a single fight. I haven't lost my temper once or criticized my mate. I've not lied, I've not cried or loudly cursed my fate. So far today, I've not one time been grumpy or morose. I've not been spiteful, cold or vain or self-centered or verbose. But Lord, I'm going to need your help throughout the hours ahead, so give me strength dear Lord, for now I'm getting out of bed. <laughs> you know, we sing, and many of us have sung many, many times the song, I Need Thee, every hour. And I hope you believe that. I hope you feel that way. I hope that all throughout the day, no matter how great or how not so great things are that you recognize that you need the lord and it's that humble recognition that drives us constantly to god thanking him for the many blessings that we see they don't have to be huge and significant to the world but they are to us because we know that every good gift is from god Prayers for requests because we know that if we're going to have goodness in the future in our life, it's going to be because God is the one that grants it to us. We believe in his greatness. We believe that all sufficiency is found in him. That ought to drive us to God. I'm about to give you an illustration, and I want you to relax. I'm not going to suggest to any of you that you ought to get off Facebook, okay? I just want to give you a study though, just to get you thinking about where do you spend a lot of your time and thought. This is just out in Denmark, a very in depth scientific type study was done. 1,092 participants were asked to participate in this study. All of them were regular frequent users of Facebook, all ages. Of individuals and that's why they chose Facebook for the study because it has the widest uh, participation of ages and and so what they did was took the 1092 and they asked half of them to stop using Facebook for one week and the other half would continue their usage on Facebook as normal and then at the end they went through a series of questions and surveys and interviews And what they found out were those that stopped using Facebook for a week were 39% more likely to be happy than those that continued on Facebook. Now, that leaves you wondering, well, what was the greatest find as to why? And the article I read, the one summary of this that that they linked to the greatest effect of 39% uh, that, that continued were, were less likely to be happy than those that didn't, was because those that were off Facebook for a week, they went through life. Now keep in mind, this wasn't a Christian studies, so you'd like to say they focused on the Lord. But they just focused on needs in their life. We call them necessities. And what they found out was those that were very active on Facebook would oftentimes focus on what other people had that they didn't have, and it left them discontent. Tonight, as we go through just seven verses of study, I want you to see the emphasis that God in his writings to us places upon us having a focus in life on the Lord. If Facebook causes you to not focus on the Lord, well, sure, you need to get rid of it. That's a given, right? If, if you work so much that it causes you not to focus on the Lord, you need to figure out another career path. If you having kids causes you to not focus on the Lord, you need to figure out better parental skills, if you being in school because you're not focused on the lord you need to drop out just kidding you need to figure out you need to figure out some way to be in school and still focus on the lord and so so as as we look at this tonight i I just want you to see and, and this isn't me pulling out some kind of application you're going to see that the emphasis is all about us living life in the lord Now, as we go into this study, kind of like we did a couple weeks ago, I'm going to give you just some words here, and this is not the outline of what we're studying. We're going to let the verses be the outline, but I want you to just be thinking with a backdrop of some of this in your mind as we study through this. Look for the times that maybe you won't see the word humility that many times in scripture that we're reading tonight, but notice how many times humility is described. We are, out of verse one, going to see the importance of steadfastness or stability, And we are gonna see that this kind of life could lead to a life of peace. But now, let's flip that over. What if we decide not to be humble? Notice the dangers of pride. And notice that instead of having a stable life, we'll have a dramatic life. The idea of using the word dramatic is as if you have a stirring of emotional highs and lows and, and that feeling of, wow, that was a whirlwind, wasn't it? Is that kind of how you live life? Is everything to you some kind of emotional whirlwind and every time you get a phone call that things aren't exactly right, it just stirs you up to some, some high that, that puts you on edge and then you get another phone call and it's kind of disappointing news and it puts you down to a low that, oh, it's doomsday, what am I going to do? Do you realize that God hasn't designed for us to live that kind of dramatic life God has designed stability for us that would lead to peace, not this dramatic living that usually ends up in anxiety and and an anxiousness and worry. And so keep that in mind as we we study through this and and as we do this, we will, uh, tonight's lesson is not all about prayer. And the reason I did that was because verse six and seven is about prayer. So we'll close with it. But the reason I went ahead and backed up was because once I studied the first uh, five verses before six and seven, it really helped me to see these passages on prayer, not totally different but it really helped me to see them from a little bit different and I hope even stronger and clearer way that, that the Lord has given them to us. And so uh, let's study this and we'll close uh, with the topic of prayer tonight because this passage will close tonight with a pro- topic of prayer. If you were here a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday morning, the first three verses are verses that we have studied through previously. We will still make the point, but we will not spend as much time developing the point uh, because uh, some of the subpoints in these verses because those have already been made in a previous lesson. Read with me, if you will, Philippians the fourth chapter and verse one, and let's read about uh, Paul's command here uh, to be stable. He says, therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, here's the command. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved we mentioned a couple weeks ago how many times he reminds them in one verse that he loves them he's away from them he longs for them they bring great joy to him he counts them as an honor in his life that he had the opportunity to be with them and walk with them just like we studied this morning the first chapter in the fellowship of the gospel and in partakers of grace together all of that brings as as joy and crown all ties back to even things we studied this morning. But notice what the direct command is. The direct command here is, so because of all this, stand fast in the Lord. Who is the Lord? The Lord is our rock. The word stand fast is the very idea of stationary. God is not wishy-washy. God is not dramatic. Oh, I I wonder wonder if he's gonna be way over here going crazy today or I wonder if he's gonna be way over here today. No, he's a rock. God is stable. As a matter of fact, he describes himself a few ways. The same yesterday, today, and forever. He is so stable, he can describe himself this way. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He is so stable. And if you and I decide that we want to stand fast in the Lord, we can participate in a life with that kind of stability it's who we want to stand with do we want to stand out with the world that would be fleshly living that is very chaotic or do we want to stand with the Lord who is stable so that we can describe our life you remember Jesus sermon on the mount at the very end we can build our life on the rock or we can build it on the sand And our life can be so stable on the rock that whenever the environment around us is not stable, like the hard rains fall and the floods rise and the winds blow, we can stand fast. But if we decide to not build our life upon the rock and we build our life on the sand, the rains, the floods, the winds are going to create a dramatic effect in our life we won't know peace we'll know anxiety and worry and so to build our life on the rock that's the plea be stable stand with the one who is stable who's stronger than any storms that we'll ever go through Now you remember in the next two verses, he dealt with two women apparently that had some kind of disagreement with each other. I don't think they were horribly ungodly women. As a matter of fact, according to the writing here, they were laborers in the gospel. And so they probably were very good women, but for some reason they were at odds with each other. And Paul felt like it was a strong enough situation that it needed to be addressed. And so he says, I implore Euodia and I implore Syntyche." to be of the same mind in the Lord. And then he goes on and he speaks to someone who is a true companion. We don't know exactly who it is, but he says, I urge you also true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. What do we see here? Indirectly, we see the plea for peace. There's something at odds with these women and and the direction that they need to make in their life. And then he even says to this true companion, you need to help them also. But the simple direction is the same for the women. It's same for the true companion. And it's same for everybody that's gonna be involved in this. And notice at the end of verse two, it's this. Be of the same mind in the Lord. It's not your mindset it's not my mindset it's us yielding our mind to the lord that will create peace hold your finger here we don't have a slide for this but back up to romans the 12th chapter i would i would like for us to think about the mind yielding to the mind of the lord and creating peace and notice some passages romans 12 we have uh the verse one where we are to live our life as a our body give our body as a living sacrifice to the lord and then in verse two we're not to be conformed to this world but be transformed how by the renewing of the mind and then we drop down and let's pick up reading in verse 16 be of the same mind so if you have the mind of the lord and i have the mind of the lord be of the same mind toward one another so let's think about each other and let's treat each other how we would if we were thinking about each other the way the Lord would think about each other. So because of that, from the Lord, we're gonna learn this. Do not set your mind on high things, see this, this plea for humility, but associate with the humble Do not be wise in your own opinion. If you allow your thinking to rule your life, you're not gonna have the mind of the Lord. And so how would we deal like for these two ladies that some way they're at odds with each other? How are we gonna deal with people in our life that are at odds with us? How are we gonna create peace in our life? Here's how, repay no one evil for evil have regard for good things in the sight of all men in other words have regard have thoughts that appreciate the good things now if it is possible as much as depends on you live peaceably with all men we can't live peaceably with all men because all people won't let us live peaceably with them so the point is that if peace is destroyed in a relationship that we're in Always make sure that it's the other person that's destroying the peace. Well, then that leaves us to say, okay, the other person I'm in has destroyed the peace. Now, what is my response supposed to be? Well, if I do this with my own mind, my response is not gonna be what we're about to read. But what if we say, I'm gonna do this with the mind of the Lord in us. Well, here's what we would do, verse 19. Do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Okay, so Lord says, number one, you don't seek vengeance. All right, Lord, I'm not going to seek vengeance. What do you want me to do? I'm going to think like you want me to think. He would say, try this in verse 20. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Someone does something harmful to destroy peace with you. Now in your mind, answer this question. Have you been overcome? Oh, they hurt me so bad. What they did was so mean-spirited. What they did was so wrong. Have you been overcome? No, according to what we've just read, you're not overcome until you respond back with evil. Now let that sink in. This is a huge point. The only time that we are overcome by our enemies is when they do something wrong toward us and we respond back with evil. The Lord says, now you've been overcome. So how do we not be overcome? They do something evil and we respond back with something good. And when we do that, we have not been overcome. So as we look at that, we see that is the mindset that would lead to peace. It's not our natural mindset. It is the mind that is in the Lord. Now go with me, if you will, to the end of the third verse of Philippians, the third chapter, and notice where he starts into the topic of rejoicing. At the end of verse three, he was talking about these women. He was talking about the one who was a true companion. He was talking about Clement, and he was also talking about all the fellow workers, and notice how he sums this up, whose names are in the book of life. Where'd that come from? We're talking, about, we're talking about these two ladies that need help resolving some kind of difference and he gives instructions on how to do it and he just closes it out by saying, oh, by the way, remember, all of your names are in the book of life and then connected with that comes this very next sentence. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Can you always Rejoice. The doctor gives you horrible news. Do you rejoice in that horrible news? Employer brings in a pink slip that 50% of the jobs are being cut. Do you rejoice in that bad news? Sin has overtaken one that you love dearly. Do you rejoice that their soul is separated from God? Listen, do not be mistaken. And, And you and I have heard people say this. People will say, oh, the Lord tells us to rejoice in everything. He does not. There are things that breaks God's heart. There are things that God does not rejoice in. Even the writer of this, which I know he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, but even Paul has many other passages of scripture where he talks about Times of pain and of grief. And you remember when he's talking to the elders at Ephesus in Acts the 20th chapter, he even said to them that don't you remember that for three years I came in tears beseeching you. In other words, he's saying, don't you remember all the times I cried over those three years? He was warning them that false teachers were gonna come in and he would warn them with great pain with great anguish, don't let this happen. Okay, so let's go back to this verse. What are we to rejoice in? We do rejoice always, but we don't rejoice in everything always. We rejoice in the Lord always. And that ties back to that phrase, your names are written in the book of life. And Luke the 10th chapter, remember the 70 were sent out on that short missionary trip? And remember when they came back, what they were really fired up about, they came back and they reported to Jesus that even the demons heeded our voice. When we spoke your name and Jesus acknowledges, that's a good thing. But he says, what you ought to rejoice in is what that your names are written in the book of life. Here, what are we to rejoice in the Lord? That our names are written in the book of life. The 70 go out, what are they told? You need to rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. What's the point? The point is this. Oftentimes, we allow things in our life that come in the form of painful and bad news to take over every aspect of our life, and we start convincing ourselves that everything is bad. I don't know if there's any person by nature that would not be guilty of that. And so the Lord is teaching us to think spiritually and realize that even when there are so many things around us that are not good, don't forget all the spiritual hope that you have that is excellent. Your name's written in the book of life. Do you realize how awesome that is? Now, that doesn't mean that other things aren't bad, but that just means you can't go around like some kind of dramatic person and throw out the words, everything's horrible. Are you listening to me? That's what he's talking about here. This is wrong to go about and say, everything in my life is a wreck. Everything in my life is a disappointment. Look, if you're a Christian, do you realize what you have just done? by a backdoor approach, you've blasphemed God. You've taken the beautiful aspect of God being in your life, Jesus Christ saving you. You having the hope of heaven and you've just kind of the biggest, most important gifts, hope that could ever exist. You've just taken all of that and you said, throw that over here and here's my problem that I'm dealing with today and nothing in my life is good. And here, Paul looks to the church that they have a situation needs to be dealt with. Yeah, there's there's some friction in your congregation. These two women, they need help working this out. But I want to remind all of you as you work this out, your names are written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. As you're working out this delicate problem between two sisters, rejoice in the Lord always. Don't rejoice these ladies are, are getting tangled up in conflict but also don't lose sight of the big picture. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then we come to verse five. So we've looked at stability, peace, rejoicing. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. What's the gentleness here? You know, when we look in Scripture, how a word is used is very interesting. And every now and then, with a word like this, it's interesting to see how it is coupled with other words. I want to read to you, uh, not the whole verses, but I just want to read to you, to see how this word is used in conjunction with other words almost every time it's used in the New Testament, every other time than this one. In 1 Timothy 3, he's talking to the elders, and he uses this word gentle, except in a lot of translations, it's translated patient. And he says, but patient, not a brawler. So you see that contrast? There's gonna be a lot of contrast here. So what is this to be gentle? Well, it's to be gentle, not a brawler. Or we go to Titus, the third chapter in in verse two. He says it again, not a brawler, but gentle. We go to James, the third chapter in verse 17. And he says, gentle and easy to be entreated. The idea easy to yield and and what he is getting at here is the idea that that whenever a person truly is is uh, you know pride and arrogance says I'm not giving in to anybody or anything but what if we were gentle and we said hey if if I need to yield I can yield that kind of gentleness is what's being spoken of and then Peter uses the same word and he's talking about servants working for masters and he's going to talk about some masters that were really good and fair and some that weren't and so in that language he talks about to the good and gentle masters but then he says but also to the harsh masters so you see this word gentle here was used in contrast to a brawler It was used along with one that would yield. It was used in contrast to a harsh master or a gentle master. Now let's go back to this. What's he saying here? Let your gentleness be known to all men. Do people know that you're willing to yield? Do people at work say about you, oh, trust me, they won't ever change their mind. They're the hardest-headed person I've ever been around. I don't know if that's proper to say it that way, but you know what I'm saying. Why, why wouldn't you yield? Is it a thing of arrogance? Don't like gentleness? Or would you be willing to say, you know what? If this is best for you, if this helps you, I, I, I don't, we don't have to do this this way. I can yield. Are you a brawler? Are you, hey, nobody's going to push me around. Nobody's going to take away my rights. No one's going to do things different than I want to do it. I'm the boss. I've been here with seniority. I'm the head of the family. I'm fill in the blank. What about if instead, notice here, this isn't just saying you be gentle. He's saying let your gentleness be known to all men. At home, the community, in the church, at work, everybody ought to know that you're humble, that you're willing to yield if it needs to be, not yield in the area of righteousness, but in other areas you're willing to yield. Now this last phrase is really interesting. Scholars kind of debate what he means by this when he says the Lord is at hand. Is he saying that the Lord is coming very soon? I don't think that's what he's saying here. I understand why some believe that, but I don't, I don't agree with that in this context. In this context, when he says the Lord is at hand, I believe he's talking about the nearness. How could we be people that are truly gentle when that kind of humility flies against our nature? The only way we could truly do that is if the Lord was near us. Or better yet, we were near the Lord. the reason i believe that that is the application the proper application of this is you may not have picked up on this we've just studied it but you know that's the beauty of scripture there's so much in scripture it's easy for important things to kind of go over our head i want on this next slide for you to see the verses we just studied and see if you see something in common and by the way all i did was cut and paste here these are direct quotes out of scripture this isn't me rewording scripture This is direct quotes out of Scripture. We studied that if we're going to be steadfast, the only way we can truly be steadfast is where? In the Lord. If we're going to have the same mind, where where is that mind? It has to be a mind that is in the Lord. And when we talked about rejoicing, notice it wasn't rejoice in all your problems. No, there's a lot of problems that there's no reason to rejoice about them. They're bad. They're hard. Well, well, what do we do? Then we say, oh, life is bad. No, no, no. Always rejoice in the Lord. There's always wonderful things to rejoice in the Lord. And so now the very next teaching is gentleness. And how can we show gentleness to all men? The Lord is at hand. We've been stable in the Lord. We've been sharing our mind with the mind of the Lord, we have been rejoicing in the Lord and that gentleness is being shown to all men because the Lord is at hand in our life. So with that, we read verse six, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, and then he gives three descriptions of prayer here. By prayer, That's talking to God. And supplication, that's prayerful request to God with thanksgiving. That's prayers of gratitude to God. So don't be anxious. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request, that's the general word for request, that's like a supplication prayer, let your request be made known to whom? To God. Now, notice here he says, when when you look at the idea of anxiety, Lord says, I don't want you to be anxious for nothing. But Lord, there's some heavy things in my life that it's real easy for me to, to let them become such a heavy burden that I just, I've kind of come distressed and I kind of stress out. And the Lord says, no, no. He says, what I want you to do is I want you to take everything that is that stress to you, and, and imagine this now, and he says, I've got this bucket over here. And I want you, remember we studied Last Sunday, I believe it was, First Peter 5. Cast your care upon me, he says, for I care for you. Now, who gets to do that? Those that are living under the mighty hand of God. This is 1 Peter 5, 6, 7, and 8. Those that live under the mighty hand of God, they are waiting for the ultimate glorification where he is going to exalt us And until that time, there's gonna be a lot of care that comes into our life, a lot of stress. And so he says, until that time, don't be anxious. Cast those cares upon me. Here in this passage, he says it this way. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. And he says, by prayer and, and supplication and gratitude, let your request be made known to God. So we got this bucket over here and God's saying, put all your cares over here. You're like, But but God, you don't know how heavy this one weighs me down. You you don't understand the financial strain that I'm having right now in my life. You don't understand the the struggle I'm having with my health right now. You don't understand the relationships that that are really going awry in my life. Lord, you don't understand. And God say, do you trust me? And that's what this ultimately is about. I believe that if you want to understand this passage, a great Old Testament book that we need to understand is the book of Job job had a ton of stress in his life and he asked god a lot of questions and when god finally answered job he did not explain to him all of the reasons that he'd had that loss and stress in his life and he also didn't explain how it was all going to exactly work out in the future but what he told job over and over is do you know how big i am Do you know how strong I am? Do you know what I can do? In in essence, what God was saying to Job was, do you trust me? And the book of Job closes by Job confessing, I talked about things I didn't understand, but in essence what he says, I trust you now, God. And so now let's go back to this. There's this bucket over here and God is just asking, do you trust me enough? I'm big enough to handle it. Any care you have, Any burden you have, any stress you have, whatever's creating anxiety in your life, do you trust me? I can carry it. Will you put it over here on me? Lord, how do I put it on you? It almost gives me cold chills. Don't you love it? Lord, how do I put it on you? Pray it to me. Pray it in supplication. But don't be a spoiled brat as you pray it in supplication, also thank me for it. Have the decency to be grateful that you can take anything in your life and you can put it up on me. Just pray it. Just ask it. But be grateful when you do it. What would that result in? The next and last verse that we'll study tonight. Look in verse 7. The result of trusting prayer and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. A peace that only God can give. And the reason he can give it is because he has a bucket that can hold all of our anxiety, all of our stress, And he can leave us with a peace that we don't even have the words to explain. We can rejoice in that. And again, I say, rejoice. But you wanna know something else that to me is just beautiful about the way scripture, how deep and rich and beautiful it is, even in its simplicity. Guarding your hearts and minds. Remember, we've been studying about the mind, sharing the mind of Christ. How do we guard it so that it stays connected with Christ's mind instead of going back over here to anxiety and worry and, and all that? And he says, cast your care upon me, verse 6. But notice this. As we, if we do this, he, he will guard our hearts and minds. And the Greek word for through there is the same Greek word in the other verses What's translated in. You know that slide that I showed you how all those verses... In the Lord. So this one would read guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The majority of the first seven verses is all about a stable life in Christ Jesus. Do you want a life where you can stand fast in the Lord, have the same mind in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord, have gentleness because the Lord is at hand, and have a heart and a mind that is guarded as we live in Christ Jesus. Here's our takeaway that I'd like for us to think about, and you study the Scripture, you take away from the Scripture whatever you need to apply in your life of this but sometime I think that we look at prayer as just an exercise. Well, if, if I bow my head and I say a prayer and, and I close it in Jesus' name, I, I've prayed. And I, I guess to, to some degree and some extent we have. That's true. But I believe the first five verses are to help us understand that if our life is being lived in the Lord, then we have the capability to truly cast our cares upon Him. And we have that life that's willing to yield to Him and not be anxious, but through prayers and supplication and thanksgiving. So let our request be made known to God. And now we're back to where we began today humility and prayer. We first in our life must be so humble before God if we're ever to have the prayer life that we ought to have to God. And if we're ever to have the prayer life that we ought to have to God, we must be humble before God. They're interwoven. I'm not saying you need a better prayer life. I don't know your prayer life. But I am asking you this. Will you evaluate your prayer life tonight? And if it needs to grow, think first about your humility toward God and then think about what are you gonna do about it this week to grow in your prayer and dedication to pouring out yourself to God in prayer. If we can help you approach God humbly tonight, we'd be humbled to help you. If you're ready to become a Christian, if you're ready to be restored, if there's anything that we as a group of people can do, please let us know. If you have burdens that you're bearing and concerns and questions that you have that you don't know what to do and and you'd like to sit down and talk with someone, pray with someone, please let us know. We would love to help and encourage each other any way that we can. But if we can help you right now, come as we stand, as we sing.